Hello and welcome back to the Barron Alumni Podcast Series, a series dedicated to showcasing the journeys and experiences of Barron alumni and former educators, featuring your host, Linda Macunda. This episode has been brought to you by Sugarwood, treats made with love in Cumberland, Wisconsin. You can give them a call at 612-708-6822 or visit their website at sugarwoodshop.com. Sitting today with me is Barron High School alumni Chris Schaff. I not only had the pleasure of working with Chris as a high school counselor, but I remember him when he came to Woodland Elementary as mm-hmm. a kindergartner. Since then, I was his art teacher. I know your mom, I don't know if you know this, but she was really interested in the arts, and I met her early on. Really? Yes. I think she was actually pregnant with one of your brothers at that time. So yep. I knew Chris back then as Christian. And that's so, what I go by now. Oh, so you go by Christian now. Yeah, when people are saying your name, they think my name's Christoph, because Christoph. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Cool. Either works. So welcome, and thanks for meeting with me today. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We want to hear about your journey that you had since you walked through the halls of Barron High School. And just a little bit more after that about your whole career and your sure. journey. So what year did you graduate from Barron High School? 1998. Okay, so that's 23 years so, ago. It's a while ago. I told my brother yesterday that's more years away from high school than it took to get into high school, which is, oh, that's sure. weird, you know, yeah. when it starts to get over 20. It's, sure, yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Were you involved in any extracurricular activities or sports? My mom made sure I was in everything I could handle. So, yeah, I played in the band, played hockey, played football. So we had act, I think, at the yeah. back in, in high school. And 4-H, obviously, that was a big thing. And honestly, just being on the farm and the cows and cow shows and everything else mm-hmm. took a lot of time. Were you a pal member, a peer helper? No, I don't think I was. Okay. I know your brothers were really active, like Zach and, and Gabe were active in that. Yeah. What about, now you had a really, a class of a, like a lot of athletes, so you guys did quite well in sports? Yeah, I mean, man, I remember our hockey team growing up. We were dominant. It was fun. I remember we had to bring our birth certificates because everybody was just so big for their age. You know, we're oh, talking seventh, sure. eighth grade. And then we got into high school, and I think our success was part of the reason that we pushed to have it be a school sport because we needed to grow and evolve. Right. So, yeah, we were good at hockey. Football, we, we did pretty well. We went deep into the playoffs my sure. senior year, I now, think. Now, was hockey all four years of your high school, was hockey a sanctioned WIA sport in Barron High School, or was that about the time it started to happen? It's when it started. I, I don't remember, but it was either sophomore or junior year. I okay. think it was my junior year, and I got mm-hmm. two years of WIA, but... I remember that being a big discussion and talking to board members trying yes. to get it passed. And well, your dad, I think, was really instrumental in helping build that ice yep. arena. Yeah, and, and my grandparents, too. Okay, and then was that built when you were in high school? No, I was gone. You were already gone when it was built, so it was, it was built yeah. for your brothers. Yeah, every, yeah, I yeah. feel like they got all the benefits. But sure, I remember them facility. really working. It is a beautiful facility, and, yeah. and hockey's here to stay. People love hockey. Were there any significant moments or teachers or coaches or anything from high school that you felt kind of made a lasting impact on you? Oh, man, we were, we were talking about this. You know, I think when I look back, there's a lot of painful times that I remember, but a lot of good times, and... I'm thankful for them all because it, like we were talking about earlier, I, I think the world's taking all the sharp edges off of things. And I think, I think having teachers that I didn't feel did their best for me and having disappointments and failures were part of making me who I am. At mm-hmm. the same time, there were amazing teachers that went above and beyond. And mm-hmm. I think that gets lost on kids too. You know, I'm not going to mention anybody in a derogatory way, but on the positive side, uh, we were talking about 
Mr. Colby, I remember him rushing in with his lunch, you know, at 7 a.m. before class to mentor me and a handful of kids mm -hmm. in math or algebra or whatever it was because we were having trouble. And I don't know how many people these days would come into work early and not expect some kind of compensation sure. and just doing it because it's the right thing. I mean, sure. you know, Mr. Yamada had jazz band over lunch. And I just think there's so many people like that that were in it for the right reasons and really made differences. Sure. Um, even just, I was thinking about Uskard the other day. You never passed him in the hallway without him giving you some kind of jab and some mm -hmm, kind of smile. Sure. Yeah. But that mm -hmm. was warm and it was it was welcoming and mm -hmm. those things I think made you, connections. Yeah, what I've learned mm -hmm. in life and man, especially going to Iraq forty times and being around troops, you just you just never know what people are going through. Mm -hmm. And sometimes one percent can change everything. Yeah. So something I didn't realize when I was in school, but looking back it was mm -hmm. it was powerful. Cool. Good for you. I know you attended UW-Madison, yep. and I know you loved your college experience. <laughs> so can you share with us what you studied in college and a little bit about that time in your life? Sure. You know, it's interesting. I looked at two schools, Stout and Madison. And my best friend in high school was Brent Knutson, who actually went to Cumberland. But we were good friends. And I remember driving to Stout and Brent saying, you know, I don't want to go to Madison. I don't need teachers teaching me how to think. I need, you know, real skills that I can apply. And to Brett's credit, he's been extremely successful. He owns several businesses. Doesn't he live in Cumberland? Yeah, yes. very yeah. smart. Mm -hmm. um, and that is exactly what he needed. When I look back at college, the thing that I think was most powerful for me was learning how to think. I don't really remember what I learned in the classes as much as I learned how to manage my time and to mm -hmm. balance things out sure. and to figure things out on my own and to get help mm -hmm. when I needed it. And, you know, when you're going from a class of, what was it, 120, you said, Yeah, roughly, 120 students, yeah. To, you know, a student body of 40 or 50,000, mm -hmm. that's culture shock. Yeah. So I got into Madison, luckily. I mean, gosh, I could have been not accepted to either school, and then I mm -hmm. would have really been stuck. But I got into Madison, and I ended up, because of my agriculture connections, doing a lot in the School of Ag. So I had a degree in life sciences communications, which was photography, journalism, marketing. It was generally a marketing degree. And then business management, which was kind of what they called a step above, like a basic econ degree. Mm -hmm. I did really well in the marketing. The econ was very, very hard for me. And then after college, I got a degree in music production from Berklee School of Music as well. Oh, so, I didn't realize that. So yeah, so I had those three. And Madison is the greatest place. It's quite a school and quite a student body. And you know, having those two big lakes there, I was in the water ski team. And oh, sure. I was in a frat. And I was on the homecoming court at Madison. So pretty awesome, pretty fun mm -hmm. time. Oh, cool. I knew you loved it. I know that UW-Madison is... At times featured you, you know, they're pretty proud. Yeah. And of course, they have a million students that really do well. So, yeah, congratulations. That's pretty cool. And then, okay, so you graduate from college. And then I think, did you move to the Minneapolis area? So I took a job in Menominee, actually, right away. So I moved out to Lake Tainer, and I was working for a guy who had sold a bunch of radio stations to Clear Channel, was starting a new kind of marketing and web design company. I had some really interesting offers. I had an offer from Waterski Magazine in Florida. I had some potential work with Red Bull in Denver, if I remember correctly. Some really fun stuff, and it seems a little silly now to look back on it, but we're starting to play in a band, and it was kind of rolling, and I just decided I wanted to stay close and see where that went to. Mm -hmm. So I took the job in Menominee, and I was there for about two years until the band kind of took all of my attention, and then I moved to Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So then yeah. I was there for about 
eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Okay, the band. First it was Driven, <laughs> and then you guys changed to Catch Penny. You're a good researcher, a good memory. I, well, I, I have a pretty good memory because, you know, like, you know, bless your mom's heart, but one of your brothers, Gabe, was very instrumental in getting a variety show started at Barron High School. Oh, okay, yep. And your mom made you guys come back and play Man. in it. And, you know, that was difficult because you were probably four years out of high school. Maybe yeah. you were, yeah, and, and so was Zach. Because yeah. Zach is next, right? And then uh, no, it's Gabriel's it's next. Gabe. Okay, so two years. So two years yeah, so that was kind of a, a tough situation, but you did it. <laughs> you did it. You came, walked back into those halls of Barron High School, and I know that's kind of awkward at times. If but you know my mom, she doesn't give you a lot of outs. Yes, sometimes. well, she gets her heart set on something. You know, something she wanted this to be successful for Gabe, and hey, it's still going. Cool. Gabe started something, and it's, it's cool. still going. And then, of course, you'd have following. People would go all yeah. over to listen to you guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, I tell people it feels like a movie I watched one time because it's been a few years now, but. It's funny looking back. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing and we were in the machine shop and trying to figure out how to play songs together. And I always said, I'll stick with it as long as it keeps growing. And it just kind of kept growing for a long mm-hmm. time. And you know, we moved to Minneapolis and we went to look at a studio to record an album. And there were some guys in there recording and they said, hey, we'll work with you. And it turned out to be Prince's band. And so then like, you know, Michael Bland ended up being our drummer. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. now all these people in Minneapolis are like, who are these kids from Wisconsin that have mm-hmm. Prince's guys playing with them? And we didn't deserve it, but it's funny how life, if you just walk through doors sometimes, the right okay, people show up sure. and things help and things happen. And so, yeah, it just kind of grew and that was a big part of my life for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Okay, <laughs> we've already kind of talked a little bit about your brothers. You have mm-hmm. three brothers. Share just a little bit about them because all of you are very talented, but very different. And that was just kind of fun to watch. I don't know if there was a lot of comparing going on with you guys just because you guys were so u- each unique, but... If you could give me your perspective on your brothers. Yeah, Gabriel was next. So Gabriel's two years younger than me, and then Zach was two years younger than him, and then I think Jacob was four years. Jacob and I are 10 years apart. So mm-hmm. within 10 years, there's there's four of us. Gabriel uh, teaches mortuary science at a tech school down in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and he went in the military. Spent a lot of time in theater, probably a little less in sports, but entrepreneurial too. He has a couple of little businesses he works on on the side. And Zachary stayed here in Barron. He's kind of taking over the family business and evolving and changing that. So less about the cows and more about the shavings business that my great grandpa had started years ago. And that's that's going like crazy. And then he also helps with guys like Chris Cruzy and you know some other music stuff around here. Uh, and then Jacob is in Minneapolis and he was Goldie Gopher. Um, and then he ended up running, I don't know what you call it, the spirit department or whatever mm-hmm. that group is, the cheerleaders and mascots. And then he's done some marketing work and now he's he's a foreman on a tree trimming company or mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what you'd call it, but they mm-hmm. go out and take trees down around power lines and things like that. So he's had a diverse thing as well, but they've all got families. They've all got a couple kids. Yeah. I'm definitely the weird uncle now. You know? Oh, I'm sure they just uh, absolutely love Yeah, <laughs> But it's uncle fun to come back. I did see a couple videos of um, the kids water skiing with you and they're like teeny tiny and they're on there with you. And oh so, yeah, surf, wake surfing. Yes, yeah. Yep. yeah. You just tuck them under your arm like a Definitely trusting parents and, and definitely the cool uncle. Yeah, yeah. Um, every, any one of your brothers could be here you know Gabe starting the variety show and left his mark there yeah, with cool. that you know and it's still going and it's it's one of those things one time we had school canceled and the kids made us have that variety show in January because of it you know Zach doing all the things he could uh, a couple years ago I wanted Zach to come and talk to some kids about being an entrepreneur and I said can you come and talk to your business and he said which one <laughs> I was like right. oh my gosh and then just listening right. to him right. you know and then there was Jacob who was just so talented and oh, I don't know how many of you could come back when he was the lead in Music Man 
Yeah. But at that time, um, I had a death in the family, and so I had some family from out of town, and they swore that Jacob was a paid actor really? to come in to work with the kids. Because they yeah. couldn't believe a high school kid was yeah, that talented. Yeah, he's talented. He's, yeah, he definitely, very talented. Yeah, I mean, he became Goldie Gopher. That's, yes. Which, that's, that's not an easy job yeah, in itself. Yeah. So I remember so, he lived with me at the time, and he would be doing push-ups all the time. Because they yeah. had to be able, I don't know what the number was, like he had to do a 1,000 push-ups a day or, you know, so many in a month. And it was insane. It was a perfect combination of sports and theater for him because mm-hmm. he was yes, both. Yes, he was, yes, so good uh, at that. Yeah. So good. So, yeah, really enjoyed watching your brothers. Now, your mom is a Baron grad too, isn't she? Yep. She yep. is. I'm not going to put you on the spot like I did with Zach and ask what year because he's like, I don't know. But um, isn't your grandfather also a Baron grad? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've been here a while. So that's, I know the farm, this is, if you count Zach as the fifth generation, it'd be the fifth generation. The fifth gen- so oh, cool. I do know that because I did a report. And is it all in the same kind of area, that whole, mm-hmm. oh, that's really neat. Yeah. That's really cool, yeah. Indian had Holsteins. I don't know if what your grandfather... If it was called the Clinton Stock Farm. Farm Clinton oh, sure. is the township, township. out there. Cool, yeah. So <laughs> they've been very instrumental in the community on you know, building the community. Your mom, I think, is a 74 grad. I'm not positive That sounds that. right. I wouldn't know for sure. Right. Um, someone else that's kind of special in your life, too, is your dog. You want to share with what his name is, first of all? His name's Baron. So I've had, you know, a couple dogs. I had a bulldog before him. But, I mean, I'm 40 and single, and that's one part of my life I'm probably a little behind on. But when you're alone, I mean, a dog is kind of your family. Mm-hmm. So he's my shadow with me all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, I love seeing the videos. And so I just yeah. had to mention Baron because yeah. I thought it was pretty cool when you named him Baron as well. People thought that he was named after Trump's son, which I didn't see coming. Oh, which was funny. I mean, yeah, it's kind I always have to tell people it's my hometown in Wisconsin, yes, which is yes. was cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you're one of the alumni who have been selected to be in the Barron High School Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that. That's a really neat honor for you. Can you share any advice to our current students about how they can be successful in life? Because usually it's our successful grads, you know, who are basically inducted in there. Yeah. I, I, when I found out I got this award, I kind of was thinking for what? It made me pause and look back and think about my life. And there's been a lot that's happened for sure. And we've had a lot of really interesting chapters, but I kind of wake up every morning thinking I'm just getting started, you know? And I think that's an important factor is that people have to realize life is long and goals take a while to develop. And, you know, life is a culmination of experiences. And I think when you're in high school, high school is everything. But when you look back, it's a chapter, right? And you know, my high school experience was hard and it was good. There were, there were people that supported and made a difference and there were, there were really challenging things to work through. But all of that made me who I am and it, mm-hmm. it teaches you resiliency and it teaches you how to overcome obstacles that shouldn't be in your way. You know, my grandpa always says, you know, nothing in life is fair. And he likes to say that, you know, 95% of people don't care about your problems and 5% are glad you have them. He's been drilling that into my brain since I was eight years old. And I I always tell people it's like a video game. As you go through life, you just go up different levels, right? There's going to be new challenges. And the the previous levels trained you to be able to overcome those. And you have to just assume that's going to happen and accept Mm -hmm. it and almost be excited to figure out Mm -hmm. how to solve things, right? Mm -hmm. So when I look back, it taught me a lot. It formed my personality. And I think today I'm problem solving is probably one of my stronger skills because I'm always chasing kind of unconventional goals where people are like, that's ridiculous. There's Mm -hmm. no way, nobody's done that, you know? But Mm -hmm. my whole life I've been told that and it just starts to Mm -hmm. get to be, oh great, then I can, so. Well, besides being an entrepreneur and really good at it, you've also been extremely adventurous. 
So like, you know, running into your family members, you know, you lived all over and you've traveled. You just, you mentioned earlier, 40 times you've been to? 39, yeah. Or 30, 39, you yeah. know, and I know that it was part of the music and going over there and what a great experience and scary, I'm sure, at yeah, times. definitely. But fast forwarding, you did something with Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, we were on Shark Tank, which to your point, people, aren't, aren't you scared? And I'm like, man... Once you've been in Iraq and had surface air missiles buzz your plane and have car bombs knock you over, you know, I have a weird relationship with fear because I think fear's like old DNA. I mean, fear was designed to keep you alive when you were a caveman and there were saber-toothed tigers. But you can go into Shark Tank and you're going to walk out and nobody's going to shoot at you or bite you or mm -hmm. what. So I think going through those things, it toughens you. And that was a fun experience, actually. Mm -hmm. I really liked walking in and... At that point, I'd watched every episode, and I knew I knew every shark and how they like to play their hand in every episode, and it was a game. It was fun. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we did pretty well. We, we went in. You know, my strategy was to use it as a marketing opportunity and not really an investment. And I went in with a very low valuation in our company because my thought was people watching at home may not understand valuations, but they know if the sharks are interested in your product and want it or not. So I tried to set it up so they would fight over us, which we almost did that too well. We got double what we were asking for. Right away, everybody was in, almost to a point where there was no argument to make a TV show because people were like, yeah, 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 I'm in. Like, where do I sign? They ended up editing it and making it look a lot different. But yeah, we walked out with, with double what we asked for. We ended up not signing the deal afterwards because we had other offers outside of the show for five times the valuation. Mm -hmm. You know, through negotiation and due diligence, it just didn't work out, but it worked out for the best for us. And Cool. I mean, it was cool. You know, I get a notification every time something sells on our website and... I had to keep my phone plugged in that night because it just kept spooling, which was really mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. I was um, talking to you in the community center. You were home for like maybe Thanksgiving a few years ago and we were talking and your phone was dinging and you were <laughs> telling me like, those are all sales coming in. I'm like, yeah. whoa. So then I could understand, you know, why you didn't could take that deal. But can you tell me a little bit about Uncharted? Yeah. So I started Uncharted Supply in, we kind of launched November 2016. I've been working on it for about a year before. And what happened was, you know, after, after growing up here in Wisconsin and being on a farm and being in Iraq 39 times and gosh, driving around in an old van with my band and th having to figure things out and change car tires. And I took a job in California. So, and in between then, I helped start a company called Crisp Insider, which we sold to Miller Coors. You know, we were playing in the band, the, the Iraq stuff. We'd started to bring in sponsors like GoPro and Harley Davidson. Mm -hmm. And then they were asking me to do work outside of that. So I was doing a lot of marketing for them. As the war calmed down over in Iraq, I needed more work and I wanted to expand. And so I took a job in California with a company that was building a, a fitness app. It was very technology-based. It was biofeedback. So basically you'd wear a heart rate monitor. The app on your phone would look at the temperature and the elevation and your heart rate. And it would coach you, basically keeping you in the right heart rate zones. Great idea. It wasn't my favorite team. I just didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, after living such a crazy experience in Iraq, you know, we were literally putting our lives on the line to make people smile. And then I found myself kind of in this white corner office in Newport Beach, California, getting paid better than I've ever been. And it just didn't feel fulfilling. So I was sure. kind of like, what am I, you know, what's next? I don't want to spend my life doing this. I went skiing for New Year's to, to Steamboat Springs and I was driving out my F-150 and in the mountains behind Orange County, it snowed two inches. And I sat for eight hours in traffic while people couldn't navigate these two inches of snow. Now, anybody listening to this is probably from northwest Wisconsin. Two inches of snow is an afterthought. Sure. And that's how I translate it, right? But it hit me that, wow, like people's life skills are really diminishing. And at the same time, the world's getting a, a little crazy, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's more extreme weather or overpopulation or political stuff or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And I was like, wow, we are sitting on a fault line out here in California and people don't know how to navigate two inches of snow. Like, what happens if this gets really bad? Mm -hmm. 
And so it freaked me out a little bit, but also kind of sparked an idea. And I went home and looked at the products that were available to help navigate stuff like this. And I just felt like the right stuff didn't exist. And so that's what took me down the path of building Uncharted. So the idea was to build products that if you've never been outside in your life, I could give you one of our products. And between the products in it and the instructions and the color coordination, we could guide you into a better situation and help you sustain. What's happened now is we sell to, last week we had a big order from the Canadian Border Patrol. We sold the FBI and the CIA, Facebook security teams, Nike security teams. It's become kind of the de facto kit for groups like this, which is incredible for me to look and see. We had three guys from SEAL Team 6 come in about three weeks ago. They were on the Osama bin Laden raid and they are working with us on a product and we have collaborations with Yeti and Harley Davidson. So. I luckily hit an idea that the whole world caught on to. You look at Harley-Davidson, right? People are doing adventurous stuff and they want to protect their, their consumers. So, hey, Uncharted, can you build something that helps us protect? So it's just growing like crazy and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Looking at your products, you know, just because I have a 21-year-old and I'm 26-year-old and looking at them, I bought them things just because it was kind of peace of mind for mom. And I think it's a really cool idea because it's not like you're selling a product that is not going to be usable and you're right, life skills. And so, you know, for parents like me, I looked at it as like, oh my gosh, these are survival things. Well, there's emergencies big and small, right? For some person, a flat tire could be nothing. For another person, it could be a big emergency, depending on where you are, what your skill level is. This isn't just hurricanes and earthquakes, right? So when when I started this, I went to my friends. At this point, I had amassed a crazy group of friends. I went to special forces guys and my buddies that guide on Mount Everest and bush pilots and hunting guides. And I, I asked them all the same question. I'm like, you're an expert. I don't want to know what you have for you because you've made this your life's work. What would you give your 10-year-old son exactly. if you weren't home and something mm-hmm. happened? Like, mm-hmm. what would work? What would change yeah. the game? And what's something they could manage? And so that's kind of the basis that we start mm-hmm. everything from. Yeah, I guess that was my point with it. If you look at some of the things that you have, it's not for the expert. It's right. For me, it's like, oh, wow, bought this first aid kit for my kid for his car. Probably will buy one for my daughter as well. Because you, you do, you're right. You never know. So really cool business that you have. Thanks. You talked about Crispin. That was on the cutting edge of all the ciders. Because back then, I remember hearing about it, not really knowing a lot yep. about that kind of a, a line. And now you can buy a hundred different kinds. You know, I have to give the, the credit there to Joe Heron. So Joe had a company called Nutrisoda that sponsored our band. And it's, a, again, a chain of events. You just never know where one thing's going to lead, mm-hmm. right? But I knew a guy named Phil who'd worked at Red Bull. I'd done some stuff with Red Bull. Phil went to Nutrisoda, had coffee one day. He's like, I'm trying to figure out how to market to college kids. And I said, well, that's what my band does. We play at colleges all the time. And that turned into a tour that they sponsored. And I mean, to be totally honest, it just the marketing when we'd show up in Indiana wasn't great. People didn't even know what was going on. So I built up a plan. I went to Joe and I said, Joe, we can make this work better. It ruffled some feathers with the people that were running the show. But Joe and I got to be good friends. And he said, how would you like to come help me start my next idea? Because he had just sold Nutrisoda to PepsiCo. Mm. It was his idea. Mm -hmm. But the idea at the time, I mean, the only thing out there really was woodchuck, which is very sugary kind of Mm. cider. Mm -hmm. And this was all natural. And Mm -hmm. he was from South Africa. And so this was a big thing there, but just hadn't made it to the US yet. And he really thought, gosh, you know, at the time, craft beers were crazy. You know, you go to a grocery store and there's 500 craft beers, but there's only like one craft cider. Right. And he's like, man, we can rule this, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a really sound strategy. So it ended up selling to Miller Coors three, four, five years later, something like mm-hmm. that. So Joe and I worked in his attic for the first two years, and then we added Greg, who was our CFO. And then after that, I kind of stepped away. I'd gotten my equity and been there about three years, and I was doing all the military stuff, which mm-hmm. took me away. I came back for a while to help, and then the company sold. So... um 
Yeah, it's still there. It's still. In the oh yeah, shelves. it's all over. Yeah. And, and it's and it's it is deemed as one of the starting cider mm-hmm. beers because I was talking to a person that owns a liquor store in the cities, and I was talking about it, and they like, well, we look at that as the tab of the diet pops, and that, I know that's probably way before you, but yeah. tab was the first diet soda. Huh. Sorry, Tab, but it's not good. Yeah. But, you know, so when I looked at him, he's like, oh, no, Crispin's good, you know? Yeah. But that was kind of cool because it is deemed that at least around here because it was one of the first cider beers. Well, and and Joe is really a brilliant guy, and he has these little quips, but one was market space, not marketplace. He'd always say that. And Mm -hmm. what that meant is if if you go to a shelf and there's a ton of energy drinks, well, don't build another energy drink. Where's the gap? Don't try to jump into a pool full of people, like Mm -hmm. find the open water. And so when you look at Uncharted, that's what I did. I I Mm -hmm. really wanted to be in the outdoor industry and... Everybody's yeah. making Gore-Tex jackets, but nobody was building that stuff. So right. those lessons really informed me right. moving forward. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for your summary of your career and your personal journeys. I want to ask you just a few parting questions before okay. we end this podcast. Yep. In hindsight, is there one thing you wish you could have done differently when you were in high school? I mean, sometimes I think you got to think God's just kind of guiding you to to get what you need, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I could go back with the education I have now, I think I'd probably do it differently. I think I'd try harder. Mm -hmm. Not that I wasn't trying hard, but Mm -hmm. I think as you get older, you just learn what you're capable of Mm -hmm. and what digging deep really means, right? So, gosh, I don't know. that's really hard. It's hard to remember all well, the nuances. Well, it kind nuances. of sounds like you don't, even though you didn't have always all the greatest experiences, those experiences kind of led you to be more totally did. resilient. And you were... I mean, I wish those would go away and that'd make it easier in high school. But but then maybe if you didn't have them, maybe you wouldn't it would have cha- you know, experience the some effect. of the things. So, yeah. You know, I, I think if I could go back and talk to myself, I'd be like, just put this into perspective. This is a chapter mm-hmm. and yeah. take everything as an opportunity to learn and take everything as something that's shaping and guiding you towards something else. Life doesn't end at 12th grade. It's just getting started. Just, yeah, exactly. So I think context would probably be mm-hmm. something I wish I could tell myself. I don't mm-hmm. know what I'd go back and change. Sure. But. If you could talk to your high school self right now, what <laughs> advice would you give to yourself? Yeah, I think I would probably try to have more experiences, sign up for more things. I think I would probably tell myself to work harder, be okay with failures, Mm -hmm. be okay with being different. I think in high school, everybody just wants to be in a group and feel feel unified. But I'm really proud of being really different Mm -hmm. at my age now. And I think that being unique and having different perspectives and doing different things is really what can set a person apart. Mm -hmm. So embracing that would be Mm -hmm. something I would encourage. And then lastly, are there any personal projects that you're working on that you'd like to share or promote or let people out there know? Because a lot of times people are like, really? Chris is doing that? You know, is there anything that you'd like to promote? I, I mean, to be honest, the business takes up so much of my time right now. It's probably the reason I'm single and probably the reason I don't have a whole lot of other hobbies. I mean, I get up early and I go ski with my dog and then I work until the sun goes down. And I work out again and go to bed most days. Well, if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram, it doesn't look like, <laughs> I mean, you are always out. You're so adventurous from skiing to hiking to fly fishing, elk hunting. I mean, yeah, I was just in the Arctic Circle this year um, and Yukon. Cool. And I think what I'm trying to do and where I'm at in life is really trying to, you know, we say we make products designed to make you the hero of your own story. What I'm trying to do is to create an army of people out there that are in a position to not only take care of themselves, but help others. When I lived in Barron and it would snow, one of us got to go plow the neighborhood out with our tractor, right? We just help people. If there's a mm-hmm. tornado, we throw the chainsaws in and we'd go cut trees. When I lived in California, if it started raining, people would shut their doors and lock it. 
and it was every man for themselves. Mm. And if you really dig into this, you know, Freud is famously quoted as survival of the fittest, but what he spent most of his time on was the power of community. Humans didn't get through anything without working together, whether mm -hmm. it was bringing down a woolly mammoth or fighting off an invading army or whatever, right? It was, it was community. Mm -hmm. And we're going away from that. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of divisiveness in the country mm -hmm. and in the world. And, you know, my goal was to create something that gave people the ability to come from a position of abundancy and not scarcity. So, hey, I've got enough to take care of myself. Let me help you too. If you start doing that at scale, it changes the world, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If there's an earthquake in LA and it's every man for themselves, it's not a good outcome. No. But if there's a bunch of people that go, hey, I got this, come over here, let me mm -hmm. help you, it's a whole different situation. Sure. So, you know, check out what we're doing at Uncharted. I'm not trying to sell anything. We have a lot of education. We tell people how to build their own stuff. You know, we're a mission-based company that's really trying to just help empower people to make the mm -hmm. world a better place. And if yeah. we can do that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think that'd be my one yeah. message. That is really cool. All right, well, I want to wish you all the best in the future and for making a difference in our world. It's really Thanks. cool just to hear your story and your family just still contribute so much to our community. And so that's just really cool. I know that the, the Schaff family will always be around. So thank you for that. This wraps up another episode for the Barron Alumni Podcast Series. Thanks to Shana Lombard, now Shana Wood from Sugarwood Shop from Cumberland for sponsoring this podcast. And thank you all for listening. And Chris, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Barron Alumni Podcast Series, courtesy of the Barron Area Education Foundation, featuring your host, Linda McCunda. This episode has been brought to you by Sugarwood, treats made with love in Cumberland, Wisconsin. You can give them a call at 612-708-6822 or visit their website at sugarwoodshop.com. To stay up to date on future episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. To support and donate funds to the foundation, or to become a sponsor of a future episode, you can visit us at www.barron.k12.wi.us and click on the Quick Links tab to find the foundation homepage.